we rejoice. In this we are glad. Welcome your neighbor to church. To your left and to your right, say welcome to church. Welcome to church. I'm happy to see you. You look wonderful, definitely. I see, I see a theme of there's black and white with the choir. Then there's red and wine scattered around the building. And it's just so wonderful to be here. It's always such an honor to be able to relay God's word and to share God's word with his people. And um, I want to thank um, Pastor Fred for an opportunity such as this. It is very, very humbling, guys. I am not shaking. Amen. <laughs> and it's very humbling to be given an opportunity to stand here, to be able to share God's heart, God's word with his people. And um, I will just say a quick prayer. Let's just bow down our heads. Lord Jesus, we thank you for today. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you because you are always here for us, even willing to speak to our hearts and to touch our souls, oh God. Lord, I ask that every heart here be opened and receptive to your word in the name of Jesus. That every hard and rocky ground be made fertile in the name of Jesus. We curse, we curse every form of thorns and tissues that might be present in our hearts to choke out the word of God. And we destroy them in the name of Jesus. We ask, O oh God, that across the auditorium, O oh Lord, that every heart be fertile and ready to receive your word in the name of Jesus. And that you speak your truth to us in the name of Jesus. And that your hearts, O oh God, you would share your hearts to us today, such that we have a full understanding of that, what, that which you have prepared for us today in the name of Jesus. And as your word comes forth, O oh God, that our spirits be edified in the name of Jesus, our minds be renewed, and our bodies be strengthened. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Amen. All right, um, so um, um, Pastor Fred is not here because he's preparing powerfully for, towards Ablaze, Ablaze 2023. Hallelujah. So um, I'm, I'm just going to be here as John, quote-unquote, <laughs> to prepare the way towards that. And I trust that um, God will speak to us and, you know, get us ready to not just to be blessed today, but also get us ready for the blessings that he has in store for us for Ablaze 2023 in Jesus' name. So um, typically for me, it is um, Bible study is easier than um, sermon. So um, we're going to be studying together today the book of Esther. Not, I'm not making that preference. <laughs> I'm not making that preference because, oh, my name is Esther or anything of the sort. But, well, I could say that. So, um, let's go quickly together. We are going to be walking through a journey. And I want us to follow. And if, if of course, if there is time, what would I would really desire is that at, at the end of the sermon or towards the end of the teaching, that we just have passed the mic around to get an understanding of what you think or what's the major point that you got from today's service. Because I have, I have a topic in my head, but for some reason, I, I feel like um, it might not be sufficient to address all the things that are available here. I am looking for Esther in my Bible, guys. Okay, um, Esther is after where? <laughs> I mean, uh, this is what 
being nervous would do to you. It, it has been a while. So Stone Campus Fellowship had helped me, and then I, I retired for a bit. All right, so um, like I said, we are going to be working through a journey together. And I want us to follow closely. And I believe that God will be speaking to us in different angles as we look at the stories of these people in the scripture, in these people from the old covenants, in these people that knew God just based on what they went to the temple to hear and um, just the readings of the law and all that. But from there, we'll be able to see and realize that, you know, humans are almost always the same and that God is always still very intentional about meeting each and every one of us based on our own peculiarities, based on our own temperaments, idiosyncrasies, and whatever it is that we might be feeling. So, um, very interesting story. We know the story of Esther, but let's, let's just do this together. So, um, I'll be reading from Esther's chapter 4. Esther's chapter 4. From verse 1. Now, when Mordecai learned of everything that has been done, he tore his clothes in mourning and put on sackcloth and ashes and went out in the center of the city and cried out loudly and bitterly. He went only as far as the king's gate because no one was to enter the king's gates dressed in sackcloth. In each and every province, that the decree and the law of the king reached. There was great mourning among the Jews, with fasting, weeping, and wailing. And many lay on sackcloth and ashes. When Esther and her maids and her enochs came and told her what had happened, the, king, the queen was seized with great fear. I mean, she just heard that her uncle, the person that raised her, is mourning and weeping. And in sackcloth and at the king's gate, what exactly could be happening? I mean, let's not judge her. It's, it's the palace. And um, the kingdom of whatever kingdom that was, the kingdom in the book of Esther was such a very large kingdom. It had 127 provinces. So people were scattered all across ground. I know how, I mean, we see all these old movies. And... Um, a castle can be such like the entire life and everything is happening there. So it's possible that she does not know exactly what has been happening and what has been going on. But then she heard the news that her uncle was sad and wailing. What, what's the drama about? So Esther summoned, verse 5, so Esther summoned at, at Cha. How am I supposed to pronounce that? Okay. One of the king's Enochs, whom the king has appointed to attend to her, and ordered him to go to Mordecai and, found out, and find out what this issue was and why it had come about. She was interested. She wanted to fix the issue. She was ready that, how can I be queen and my uncle is in sackcloth? What could possibly be going wrong? So Acha went to um, Mordecai in the open square of the city, which was in the front of the king's gate. Then Mordecai told him everything that had happened to him. And the exact amount of money that Ammon had promised to pay to the king's treasuries for the destructions of the Jews. Mordecai also gave him a copy of the text of the decree, which has been issued in Susa for the Jews' destruction, so that he might show Esther and explain it to her 
and order her to go into the king to seek his favor and plead with him for the lives of our people. Olop, I mean, just one chapter before, Mordecai was still saving the king. He came to, if you look at Esther chapter 2, you will see that Mordecai did have like a relationship, I mean, with the king, um, with Esther and coming around, coming to the palace, nothing was going wrong. And then all of a sudden you are in sackcloth. So what exactly happened? Backstory, guys. So let's go back to Esther chapter 3. Is my story still interesting? Am I still carrying you along? Thank you very much. All right, so what happened exactly? Um, Esther chapter 3. From, from verse 1. After these things, King Azeros promoted Aman. This is our villain of the story. The son of Amadata, the Agagite. And advanced him and established his authority over all the officials that were with him. All the king's servants who were at the king's gates bowed down and honored him and paid homage to him. This, I think, is really awesome. I mean, the king of the entire nation has exalted you and made you second in command. And not just that, right? Everybody, whenever they see you, they bow down and then they reference you. However, same verse 2, but Mordecai, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, neither bowed down nor paid homage to him. Then the king's servants, who were at the king's gates, Boromideleru, said to Mordecai, Why are you disregarding the king's command? The king did not exactly say that they should all bow down to Ammon. He just recognized that Ammon is the second in command. And, you know, typically, it's just like if. Um, who can come in here? Sheyi. We like Sheyi, right? We like Sheyi, right? Do we like Sheyi? Sheyi Makinde of Oyo State? No. Yes. Okay, yes. Okay, please. I, I think I like him. <laughs> I don't know, but yes, of course, everybody has their flaws. They are politicians. So, he coming in, you would want to, you know, give the reference, give the acknowledge. Like, everybody's like, oh, yes, I, right? I mean, that's just very typical. And then, I mean, Gen Z's, right? We really don't send. So somebody now decides to, okay, whatever. Why is everybody trying to impress him? I'm not all about that. I mean, that's just on the attitudinal side. And then Sherry, because of that, decides that, I know that you guys have recognized me. I know that you guys appreciate me. But that particular one singular person that is not regarding me is making me so angry. Won't you be like, guy, chill. The issues much, is it? childhood trauma or something. So, I mean, Aman had been exalted. He had everything going great for him. And, um, but Mordecai, Mordecai wasn't even, Mordecai wasn't even not bowing down because he felt like, I really don't send. But it was more of, I have a God and he's the only person that I reference. Similar to Daniel, right? When they issued a decree that you should pray to the king, like, how does that even make sense? The king is the one person. He cannot possibly solve everybody's problems. And, you know, now it happened that when they had spoken to him, verse 4 now, I'll be putting in a lot of adjustment in the middle, but just follow with me, please. 
verse 4, and it happened when they had spoken to him day after day that he would not listen to them because he had a very strong conviction. It's not just from moons. That they told Amman to see whether Mordecai's reason for his behavior would stand valid for he had told them that he was a Jew. Personally, I don't like people that go around spreading things that they do not send you. Right? When Amman saw, verse 5, when Amman saw that Mordecai neither bowed down nor paid homage to him, he was furious. Now his attention was on Mordecai. But he disdained laying hands on Mordecai alone. But they had told him who the people of Mordecai were. So Amman decided to destroy all the Jews. The people of Mordecai who lived throughout the kingdom of Aserus. This is like the most ridiculous thing ever. Because one person vexed you. Guys, just one person annoyed you. You decide to wipe out an entire nation. I know it sounds pretty much like a story, but bringing it to the present, I don't know, but a lot of times we tend to forget, which was one of the reasons why I had us sing that song again. We tend to forget who we are and the authority that we have right here on earth. As a singular Christian, as a singular born again person, you are a threat to the entire kingdom of darkness. As you are just one person, probably you are five foot five, like someone told me. Yeah. <clears throat> and, um, or maybe you are even tall. Um, yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> or maybe you are even tall. And, I mean, you're a force to reckon with any time you will show up, everybody is scared. Or maybe you are just a simple person. But for the fact that you are born again, for the fact that God bought you, not with gold or silver or something perishable, has put you in a pedestal such that angels are in awe about the authority that you are. Angels are in awe about the, the, the relationship that you have with God. Like, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you are so concerned about him? Because God, like, it makes no sense. God is the God of all creation, of the entire universe. So why is he intentional about knowing my name, about knowing every single strand um, of the hair on my head? Why is he intentional about when I was in my mother's womb, he was forming me? Why is he intentional about splitting a sea so that I can walk right through it? Why is he intentional about, oh, I know the thoughts I have towards you. I have plans for you. I am detailing every single day of your life. Why is he intentional about putting himself in, in, inside each and every one of us? In the person of the Holy Spirit. Beyond what most of us even recognize, the devil understands to a great extent the amount of power that we build. So for reasons upon reasons, probably directly with his own powers and demons or through other persons. Because some people can like to be possessed and just be acting wickedly towards you. Because God, the enemy knows how much power we wield, it would raise a standard. It would bring a flood. It would bring a challenge. 
life would at some point feel like, I was having a great day last week, a great week last week. Thank you very much. So what is all of this crazy? Or why am I waking up just one morning and then it seems like every possible thing that could go wrong is going wrong? It's because they know the amount of power that you wield. Going back to our story, are we together? Great, thank you. So now, he was so hungry, and verse 6, and he wanted to destroy the entire Jew. In the first month, okay, let's quickly skip to verse 8. Then Aman said to King Azarus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of your kingdom. Their laws are different from those of all other people, and they do not observe the king's laws. Abba. Therefore, it is not in the king's interest to tolerate them. Let them and let them stay here. Verse 9. So if it pleases the king, I'm reading the Amplified Version. If it pleases the king, so um, let it be decreed that they be destroyed. And I'll pay 10,000 talents of silver into the hand of those that carried out the king's business to put out the king's, um, to put into the king's treasuries. So I went to contemporary English and tried to find out how much 10,000, what was that? 10,000 shekels, right? Was worth. And I found out that it was worth 325 tons. Now, a ton is 1,000 kilograms. As I am like this, I weigh 60 kilograms. So imagine 10 of me, right? That's just 600, right? Are we following? So imagine another, how many 60 will make? 400. I don't know that math, but just, just get it. So let's imagine 1,000 kilograms of silver in 325 ways just because you didn't like that a person bowed down to you. Come on. The length that the enemy would go. That's why Pastor Fred, whenever he's talking to us, he'll be like, the devil is not resting on our matter. The devil is actively working, trying to, you know, pull us down, try to stretch us down and, you know, just to do the worst things possible. But how is it possible that one person, because you were affected about the thoughts and the actions of one person, you are willing to cost yourself this much money? So that was the story of what happened. Like I said, towards the end, I hope we are taking our own personal points. So points there would be like, my first point would probably be like, oh, the enemy really, really, really wants to like get me down. However, we'll find out how it plays out in this book of Esther. So now we've gotten the backstory. So moving back to chapter 4, Esther chapter 4. So, I mean, now... Achad has the full story. Achad knows the extent of what has happened. Verse 9, and Achad came back and told Esther what Mordecai had said. Okay. 
I mean, this is how finding out that Aman, first hand of the king, the owner of the entire province and everything, the most powerful ruler at that particular point. Say, for example, um, the ruler of China or North Korea or something. So the first hand man has already paid this amount of money to destroy all the Jews. So Esther was like, wow, please help me tell Mordecai that all the king's servants, because Mordecai told Asha to tell Esther that please go and plead with us before the king, right? And, you know, plead for our cause. But Esther replied and said, all the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king to the inner court without being summoned, he has but one law, that the person is to be put to death, which is understandable because everybody will just be coming if there is no law in place. Unless the king holds out to him the gold scepter so that he may live. And as for me, I have not been summoned to come to the king for this last 30 days. Personally, I was pissed here because... I thought you married her because she was beautiful and radiant. So how come for the past 30 days you've not been seeing her face? So who have you been sleeping with, man? But that's, that's just on a lighter note. I mean, a lot of us like to think, like the first time that this slapped me in the face, really, a lot of us like to think that immediately Esther heard the news. She just went, oh, yes, I am going to do this. But she understood the gravity. She was like, man, I really, really want to help you. I really do. But he hasn't called for me in 30 days. The fact is, if I go to him right now, he's likely to kill me. In fact, he's going to kill me. She had that fear. She had that worry. She was human, really. Because, I mean, I mean, but Mordecai, tough uncle, so when they told him, verse 12, so when they told Mordecai what Esther had said, then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than the Jews. Because, I mean, at this point, if Esther thought that the death of the Jews was going to come knocking at her door. She would not have said, oh, let me, um, I don't think I can go and meet the king. Because that was essentially what she was saying. She was just saying it in a polite manner. That, yeah, I hear you. You want me to go and speak to the king, but uh, not so much. My favorite thing right now is not to die. I mean, but, but the guy told her that, for if you remain silent, verse 14 now, for if you remain silent at this time, be assured that liberation and rescue would arise for the Jews from another place because God has a covenant with these people. They've been trying so hard to wipe Israel out, trying so hard to wipe Israel out, but because there is a word upon their life, in Genesis, when God was swearing to Abraham, he was telling him that you and your seed will be established. So, 
because one person or one enemy decided that, you know what, I'm going to destroy not just you, but the entire nation. It's not going to happen. It's not possible. It's not possible because why? There is a word. Same thing as regards every single one of us. A typical go-through scripture is when Jesus Christ was telling disciples that you face trials and tribulations, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In the sense that things are going to happen, but there is a word that stands. There is a truth that stands. There is our reality. There is who we are. There is what God says. So as believers, I hope you are paying attention. Thank you. As believers, when it seems like, because Pastor Fred has been saying something a lot, that God comes in to make the impossible and turns it into miracles. This was a plain impossible situation. By the time we go forward in the story, we will find out that while the king could not cancel the decree of the fight happening, he had to issue a decree that they should defend themselves, that they should fight. So that really meant that the Jews would have just been there, unable to defend themselves because they had no rights to hold up arms, to have knives or guns or whatever it is. So it was an impossible situation. There were people that were just going to be like lying dogs. And they would have just been wiped out. But Mordecai was sure. He said, there is a word that definitely liberation is going to come from Jews. I don't know how exactly. Because if he knew that, if he knew that for certainty, he would not be weeping and wailing and crying. I mean, say for example, the story of, um, is it Ezekiah now? That led um, a battle with choirs, right? He saw the situation of things. He knew that there was a problem and it was likely for them to be cancelled out, to be wiped out. But then, what he did was take the letter that the person had sent to them. The person had already, like, I wish I could remember that exact scripture. If somebody can get it for me. The king had already sent word. The enemy had already sent word that I am going to wipe out your entire nation. And Ezekiah was terrified. But he went to God. That see what they have said concerning me. See what they have said concerning your nation. The same people that you have spoken a word over. A lot of us, when we face challenges, when we face trials, I don't know, maybe not a lot of us, but more often than not on my side, when I face challenges and trials, I know that this is a difficult situation. This is hard for me to be going through. But instead of you know, going to God to, this is what has happened. I am scared. I am terrified. I do not know what to do. I need you to answer for me and fight my battle. I'd rather sulk, maybe play some blues. And after like two days of, you know, 
the situation is not changing. And everything is just pretty much the same. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Whether through me, which is not as often as I would like, or through somebody else, that they just send a word that speak, just speak to God about it. Last week, Pastor Fred was, you know, when he was starting the sermon, and he was, you know, trying to emphasize how God can do all things and there is nothing impossible for God. And, you know, there was a little bit, maybe not so little, bit of hesitation across the congregation, which makes sense. Because between you and I, we have some issues that we have prayed to God about and didn't exactly go as we prayed for. So we tend to, because of this, I hope I'm not boring you guys out. Thank you. I need, I need this validation. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, because of this, sometimes it makes us hesitant to, you know, take it to God. It makes us, maybe I should not even bother bothering him about it. Or worse, it makes us not even bother expecting. Maybe we even actually go to pray to God. Maybe we actually come to church on Sunday that, yeah, I know God will send a word. But we are not exactly expectant to receive anything from him. We are not exactly expectant that my life is going to change. Something is going to turn around. And that when pastor is declaring a word over us, we are not expectant that this is going to come to pass. In that, because... Logic in our head has already gone, but this, 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 this happened. Facts. Esther et L 2020. Esther et L or how 2023 even. We have evidences and facts that seems like, oh, I prayed about this and it, it exactly did not work out. So why should I bother? I think I'm just going to fix it myself. I have this, this, this plan and I think it should work out. So we get frustrated. We get angry at God sometimes. We forget about praying. We maybe even forget about reading the scripture and just do the, like Pastor Fred likes to do the example of we stand up while we are brushing our teeth. We are just doing some tongues and everything. And just power through the day because it's just like, oh, I'm born again, I'm born again. I have the Holy Spirit and I can still speak in tongues, which is evidenced by... Like, I have the Holy Spirit in me, so it's evidenced by me being able to speak in tongues currently. But really, we are not having that relationship with God. Really, we are not telling him how we feel. Really, we are not having that mind of faith and that mind of expectation from God. And Mordecai and all the Jews who probably knew that God had a promise over them. I mean... At this point that they were in slavery and everything, they knew at some point they were going to get out of it. I mean, that was what God promised. They probably heard it time and time again at the Sabbath that, oh, don't worry, this is just for the tenure. After 70 years or after this certain time, God is going to come and redeem us. But then, Monday after that Sunday, they saw a decree that said they were going to all be wiped out. <laughs> okay? But Mordecai was reminded here, yeah, and I believe that it was God, you know, staring that within his heart, that liberation will come from any place. 
And he sent that word to Esther. And in verse 15, Esther chapter 4, verse 15. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai. Say, go gather all the Jews that are present in Susa and observe a fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, because I need this miracle. I and my mates would also fast in the same way. Then I will go in to see the king without being summoned, which is against the law, in case you did not hear that the first time. And if I perish, I perish. I mean, current modern Christians and how we've made it to seem as what faith is like is that, ah, after she has already confessed faith, then she now says, if I perish, I perish. Have she not turned away the faith and everything has gone outside the window? But it was she understanding that, yes, I trust God, which is why I'm asking you guys to please pray for me, not just for one day, but for three days, guys, because we definitely need a miracle, yeah. I am desperate. I am scared for my life. I am now scared for the life of all my people. So I need you to pray. And what is my expectation from that prayer? Is that God is going to work a miracle. God is going to make something happen. Because, I mean, she could have just said, Mordecai, thank you very much for bringing out the point that I will probably die. You know what? I've heard you. And immediately I'm going to go and see the king. But she knew that there was a point of committing to God's hand. Because her mind at that point was filled with so much possibilities. Which all of the, um, what was that count in the Marvel series? The one of Endgame that's where um, Dr. Strange saw the possibilities and they won just one. No Marvel person here. Oh, please, Marvel is a very great series. But they are not doing wonderful things any, anymore now, Sha. <laughs> All right. See, don't mind me. We're, we are together on this. We are youth together, even though I'm married. <laughs> oh, my God. That feels so cheesy. <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, in all the possibilities that she saw, If most of it still ended up with she perishing, and she made that known. But in the middle of that, there was an expectation. So verse 17, so Mordecai went away and did exactly as Esther has commanded him. <sighs> Glory to God. Chapter 5, guys. Chapter 5. On the third day of the fast, she now even say, let me break the fast, and then I'll go and say, see, in the regalia and mood of that fasting, I am going to go see the king. Esther put on her royal robes and, robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace, opposite the throne room. And the king was sitting on his royal throne, facing the main entrance of the palace. And when the king saw Esther the queen standing in the court, she found favor in his sight, and the king extended to her the golden scepter, which was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the top of the scepter. Verse 3, then the king said to her, what is troubling you, Queen Esther? 
sensitive much? What is your request? And it shall be given to you up to half the kingdom. In my contemporary mind, I'm like, come. You didn't ask for me 33 days. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because it felt like I was the only one that, that felt that. You didn't ask for me 33 days. And then you are seeing me and you are offering, offering me up to half of your kingdom. Come on. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense. The most you could probably do is, oh, I'm happy to see you. Wonderful. What do you want? That makes more sense, right? But Ephesians chapter 3 tells us that God is able to do. He's able to do what? And abundantly, far above what we could ask or think. Our prayers was most likely, God, let me just find favor. Let him just not say they should kill me. But she found such favor. Such favor. God wasn't, the, the, the king wasn't offering her to be the second in command or third in command. He said, I am willing to split my kingdom half ways. I mean, number one, it was definitely the olden days. So he was, there, there will be some sort of misogyny going on. Right? I'm, I'm not being anything. But there will be the sense of women are not supposed to be leaders or in charge or something like that. But this man was willing to bend and break any rule from out of nowhere. From out of nowhere. If Esther knew that this was a possibility before she went ahead to go and see him, she would not have hesitated when Mordecai asked the first time. She would not have. She would have, oh, my boo, don't worry. You know, sometimes, you know, people just come to meet us. Oh, please let me speak with your dad about this. And we don't typically go, at least more often than not, we don't typically go, ah, maybe you should go and see him yourself, oh, because, <laughs> because, but we go, oh, oh, don't worry, that's fine. I would, I would speak to him about it. It's all right. Because there is a confidence there. But what happens when you're not so confident? Because um, you offended your father yesterday. <laughs> and if I care that you even chop, <laughs> you're still feeling it. So you're not asking me to go help you to ask my daddy that I should. Uh-uh, Abba, uncle, please. Do your own thing by yourself. But God made it possible. God, our God, made it possible. Now, when my enemies rise up against me to eat up my flesh, in this I am confident that even in the quote-unquote reality of that, in this I am confident that my God will save me. Why? Because there is a word over my life. Why? Because he's saying, oh, come to our blaze. I have something in store for you. So I am expectant that, oh, when I come to church, when I come to the service, I am go God is going to meet me. God is going to answer that thing that has been pressing upon my heart. And it's not going to be dependent on whether the choir sings in tune or not. Or whether the drama looks as interesting as they made it seem with that trailer. Why would you put us on a cliffhanger like that? I mean, 
Or maybe the pastors are people that we're already so in tune with. But there is an expectation. And the Bible tells us that the expectation of the righteous would not be what? Exactly. But yeah, believe me, I get it that sometimes it is hard. And I think that's similar to what Pastor Fred has been trying to tell us over the past few weeks. That sometimes life would just be like, <laughs> take two. But even in this, even in this, I am confident. And then Esther says, verse 4, Esther said, if it pleases the king, may the king and Amon come this day to the banquet that I have prepared for him. It could be two ways. I don't know what was going on in Esther's mind. But what is more likely as an Esther is that she was probably still terrified about placing her request out there. Because she knew that the king and Amon has a kind of relationship. I mean, you don't just promote any single person. So it means that I am, I am, I like this man. I, maybe I don't even really like him, like him, but he has money. He has influence. I mean, somebody that dropped 325,000 kilos of silver just because he was mad at somebody. So she was like, okay, this is not something I can op- drop down in open court. And my, my stomach is still really, really turning about the fear of this. And she was like, I just need time. And then the king Immediately, who probably already had a very long itinerary because, I mean, all these royalty persons, they always have, like, their schedule packed up. But the king said, bring Amman quickly so that we may do as Esther says. Okay. Since when did you hear me when I talk? So the king and Amman came to the banquet, which Esther had prepared. As they drank their wine at the banquet, the king said to Esther, I mean, what is your petition? And it shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to half the kingdom, it shall be done. Second time. Okay, this guy is actually serious. But yeah, um, I think I might just take that, yeah? But, <laughs> and Esther said, my petition and my request is this. If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition to do as I have requested, shall I, eh? May the king and Amon come to the banquet that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king says and express my request. Verse 9. Amon with the anger issues, right? Amon went away the day joyful and in good spirit. But when he saw Mordecai at the king's gates, refusing to stand up or show fear before him, like, would he even make you taller? Would he? Would he what, what is he going to hide or take away from you? Just move. He was filled with rage towards Mordecai. Nevertheless, a man controlled himself. And went home. There he sent for his friends and his wife, Zeresh. Then Amon recounted to them the glory of his riches, 
the large number of his sons proliferating all over town and gave instances in which the king had magnified him and how he has promoted him over the officials and servants of the king. Ammon also said, even Queen Esther, let no one but me come to the king to the banquet and at, that she had prepared. And tomorrow I am also invited by her together with the king. Yet all of this does not satisfy me as long as I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate. Um, see a therapist. Then his wife Jeresh and all his friends said to him, Have a gallow fifty kibits I made, and in the morning ask the king to have Mordecai hanged on it, and then go joyfully to the banquet with the king. And the advice pleased Amen, so he had the gallows made. How cynical do you have to be to build a 75 feet high hanging frame? I mean, the man is probably at the very most six feet high. He just needs maybe two feet above the ground, and then you put a noose around his neck, and that is all. But then, because you wanted to make such a show, 75 cubits is, I don't know, let's, 75 feet rather, it's such, let's just imagine I'm 5, 7, 5, 8 maybe, and then there are like 70 more times on my head, or 10 more times on my head, right? That's just, I don't know, that's a lot. So it's probably something that they'll be seeing from far off, skyscraper kind of stuff. And he had it made overnight, guys. Overnight. So Amman was so pissed, so ready to end Mordecai. Like, you know what? I've just had it up to here. So in short, Esther still had an entire day to see the king, right? And speak to him. And then have the request done. But Mordecai was going to be dead in the morning. If something did not happen. But something happened. Say something happened. Something happened. Chapter 6. Like I said, it's a Bible study. I hope you're also learning how to like read the scripture. As we are doing this. The Bible is very interesting, really. And... The more you contextualize it, you know, make it more relatable, it makes more sense to you. So verse 6, on that night, the king could not sleep. So he ordered that the book of records and memorable deeds, the chronicles, be brought that they were read before the king. The first thing that came to my mind when the king could not sleep that night was, I mean, Typically, I know PG-18, typically, if you can't sleep, you're just going to get one or two in. I can say that because I'm married, guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Please, <laughs> please don't report me, but yeah. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm sorry now. <laughs> but really... What they've, you know, talked about is, like, if you can't sleep, you can just, like, yeah, and then you feel sleepy and you get knocked out. So he's a king. 
Oh, you don't know that? Yeah, don't know that, please. <laughs> if a king could have just asked for a beautiful maiden, you know, when David had pains and the likes, they said, ah, let us bring a lovely young maiden to see if we can revive the king. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, he decided, he decided to have the book of records brought to him. I mean, if it was something that was very regular or something that he did on a regular, you would have probably found out what he just found out that night. Before that night, right? So what did he find out? It was found written there how Mordecai had reported that, what are these names? Bigtana and Teresh, two of the king Enoch's, who were doorkeepers, had planned to attack the king Asherus. The king said, what honor or distinction has been given to Mordecai for this? Then the king's servants who attended him said nothing had been done for him. Verse 4, so the king said, who is in the court? Now, Amon had just entered the outer court of the king's palace to ask the king about hanging Mordecai on the gallows which he had prepared for him. How long of a sleepless night was it? Such that it was already morning. And it was at that very point where he was getting to Mordecai's story. Who believes that God makes time and everything and chance align for your good? You know that God can make, you know, policies be arranged for your favor. I mean, it's not something that you cast on the ground and then it just works out. But you're just in the right place at the right time. Or your name is being spoken about at the right time. Or, you know, God is just stirring up an emotion. Because he could have just said, oh, this is really wonderful. I'm really impressed about this thing that somebody did for me. That's, that's impressive. Because that's probably what he has been saying all night. Because how come is Mordecai he wants to exalt? I mean, he's a king. Lots of people would have wanted to kill him. And there will have been chronicles of, oh, somebody brought you a lion or a rare breed. A lot of wonderful things that people had done. But God caused Mordecai's name to find favor in the heart of the king. Because why? He's just God. And because he's mindful of you. And he knows that the enemy has a plan. So he took away sleep from the man. So, you know, sometimes when we are, sometimes the radical parents of our um, prayers of our parents are, I mean, I know it sounds pretty radical, but sometimes, fam, you should not get rest till you give that which is due me. Because sometimes, say for example, I, I'm, I'm not, I can't remember his exact name, that our church member, that lecturer just decided not to release results. Like, why? It, you, it doesn't add up anything to you. People can just be unreasonably wicked. And then it's holding out on your own life. 
So sometimes you have to call, not sometimes, every time, you have to call God into the middle of the situation. That get into this trouble with me, like you have said, Lord. And the king said, so who is in the court? Now, Amen had just entered, yeah, verse 5. The king's servant said to him, look, Amen is standing in the court. The king said, let him come in. So Amon came in and the king said to him, what is it to be done for the man whom the king desires to honor? Now Amon thought to himself, get a grip, guy. Whom shall the king desire to honor more than me? So Amon said to the king, for the man whom the king desires to honor, let a royal robe be brought, which the king has won, and a horse on which the king has ridden, on whose head the royal crown has been placed. And let the robe and the horses be handed over to one of the king's most noble officials. Let him dress the king, the man whom the king delights to honor in the royal robe, and lead him on the horseback through the open squares of the city and proclaim before him, This is what shall be done for the man whom the king desires to honor. Then the king said to Amman, Quickly take the royal robe and the horse, as you have said, and do this for Mordecai. <sighs> Insert background music. We sitting at the king's gate in case you don't know the exact person. Like Mordecai the Jew. The king has probably forgotten that he signed a, a petition to destroy the entire Jews. Like sometimes rulers can just be dumb. And he said, leave nothing for all that you have said. So second in command or not, you dare not defy the king's orders. So Amon took the royal robe and the horse. And dressed Mordecai. I cannot imagine the look on his face. Like, if it's like a cartoon or animation, you definitely see the red and then smoke coming out of his head. Because, but then God likes to show off. God likes to show off because really, what, what God just needed to do was ensure that Mordecai did not die. Right? He could have orchestrated something else. But it was like, Amman, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you and put you to the worst humiliation that you've probably faced in your entire life. And these are people in the Old Testament, guys. These are people that never dared to call themselves children of God. These are people that were angry at Jesus when he said that God is my father. Because they could not, how dare you? The person that breathes fire on the mountain. You are saying that that person is your dad. How, you know, how dare you? But then, we've no longer be called again to a spirit of fear. But we have the spirit of adoption that resonates in our hearts that we can call God Father. So it's not even just, oh, Esther feels like calling God Daddy, so she does that. It is, the only spirit within me is like, is your dad, what is wrong with you? He is your dad. Sometimes we have that experience with our parents, like maybe, I don't know, you need something from your dad or your mom. And then you're like, but I don't want to ask them and everything. And it's like, so it's me you're asking. Sometimes my, my brothers 
do that. Like, and I'm like, oh, I'm worried about this thing, blah, blah, blah. So why are you not asking me? Go and ask your parents now. I also do the same to, like, them. Like, no, ask, it's your dad. Go. Why, why are you telling me this? That is how the Spirit wants us to relate. Now, I can hear the thoughts in your head. I can hear the fear in your head. So why don't you just tell God? Why don't you just expect him to work miracles? Why don't you just expect that I will turn things around? And God was willing to show him and that hmm, you thought you could stand against me. And... Verse 11, chapter 6, verse 11. So Amon took the royal robe and the horse and dressed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the open square to the city, proclaiming before him, this is what shall be done for the man whom the king desires to honor. Then Mordecai returned to the king's gate, but Amon hurried to his own house because shame, shame, shame. Why are you guys all acting like you didn't see GOT? Please. You guys did not see, oh, okay, I can't say this from the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Morning, <laughs> and with his head covered in sorrow. Verse 13, then Amon said to Zeresh, his wife and his friends, everything that has happened to him. Then his wife's counselors and his friends said to him, let's pay attention to this, guys. Let's read it together. What did they say to him? If Mordecai before whom you have begun, they are, I'm not hearing our voice. If Mordecai, before whom you have begun to fall in status, is of Jewish heritage, you will not overcome him, but will certainly fall before him. Glory to God. You know when the enemy gets so scared of you that the enemy self is testifying about God's greatness in your life? I mean, are they going to say that they did not know that it was the Jews? But they were so confident, they were like, ah, ah, see, just forget, Matthew or Baba or anything. Just forget, see, you are done. For, see, just accept it, see. You will not be able to overcome in one. You would fall to pieces. This was the same wife and friends that told him that, oh, this is what you should do. Probably when he was even planning to destroy the entire Jews, they were there like, oh yeah, go on. I mean, you want the second in command now? How can they be treating you like that? But there was a witness so strong. If a person was looking at that from... If you are looking at the beginning from the end, it looks more fun because you know what's going to happen. You know that it's, it's going to be destroyed and everything. But then, if you are looking at the end from the beginning, it doesn't make sense because, guys, I am seeing a letter that has a decree that I'm going to be destroyed. So exactly how are you saying that I am going to overcome this man? No, make it make sense now. Uh-uh. Pastor, why, why are you capping? No, why are you capping? God is a God of all possibilities. Yeah, we've heard that before. Come to our blaze. God is going to meet you in a mighty way. We were here last year. What was the difference? But at every point in step, every step, every way, 
God is faithful to his promise, guys. God is faithful. God is not a man that he will lie. The enemy can try. The world can seem like it. People can bring up several things. And it could be crazy at times. But God's word stands true. God's word stands firm. God's word stands over everything. So the end, the end, chapter 7, I'll just quickly read it. And we read a few Psalms and we just pray together. So the king and Amon came to drink the wine that Esther the queen, with Esther the queen. And the king said to Esther on the second day, as they drank the wine, what is your petition? My love, please, I want to ride over the moons for you. I want to gather the clouds, bring the planets right here at your feet. Just tell me what you want me to do. What is your request? Even to half of the kingdom, it shall be done. So I wasn't capping the first time, nor the second time. I am saying this. Then Queen Esther replied, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, if it pleases the king, I mean, she knows how to talk. Let my life be spared as my petition, and my people be spared as my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, killed and wiped out of existence. Now, if only we had been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have remained silent, for our hardship would not be sufficient to burden the king by even mentioning it. But they want to kill us. Then King Azarus said, to Queen Esther, who is he? Where is he? Who dare such a thing? Fam, you signed the letter. <laughs> like, <laughs> who is he? Where is he? And who dares to ask such a thing? And Esther said, she didn't say, uh uh-uh. uh, King of the Shemperi. Are you not the one that gave him the ring to sign and stamp the letter? And the adversary and the enemy is Amon, this evil man. And Amon became terrified before the king and the queen. Then in his fury, the king stood up from drinking wine and went into the palace garden to decide what he should do. But Amon stayed to plead for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that Amon has been determined against him by the king. So you can beg. When the king returned from the palace king, garden to the place where they were drinking wine. A man was falling on the couch where Esther was. Then the king said, ah, in the front of my eyes, you would attempt to assault the queen with me in the palace. As the king, as the king spoke these words, the servants covered a man's face in preparation for execution. <laughs> no chills. Then Abonan one of the Enoch serving the king said, now look, there is a gallow of something. <laughs> I mean, you wanted a skyscraper. What the enemy meant for evil, God has turned it around, turned it around. What the enemy meant for Turn it around for my good. 
the king said, hang him up. Hang him on it. Ah, I was going, supposed to say that so smoothly and I just dropped my hang him on it. And they hanged Ammon on the gallows that they had prepared for Mordecai. Then the king's anger subsided. The word of God stands for us as an evidence of God's power. Even our very lives. Can I have like the organist, please? Or pianist or whatever you call that. Even our very lives stands as a testament of God's goodness. In the moment, it might not seem like it. In the moment, we might be overwhelmed by what we are going through. But by the time you get back into the word, you are reminded, you are reminded of God's power. You are reminded of the possibilities that are in God. And that stands for you. As a shield of faith. I was sharing with Grace this morning and Ella from BBC. That the shield of faith was explained what it was going to be used for. To protect you from the fairy darts of the enemy. And I was trying to explain where heroes come in play. In typical war from old movies is they see the enemy or the people that they are fighting against afar off but they want to destroy them because they cannot move close yet they want to quickly weaken them so they shoot the arrows and what do they do to be able to survive that deadly weapon they put up their shields the enemy cannot really get close to us. But he shoots those fairy darts of harrow, of doubt, of fear, of insecurities. And when you let each one eat you, it makes you question God. But yeah, sometimes maybe asking questions, showing him your fear. But then with more eats that you get, you start to shy away. Because you are already so hurt and the enemy has already advanced. Your sword that you are supposed to use, the word of God, to fight, you can barely lift it. And then the enemy just comes riding on his horse and does the worst thing. But if, if you hold up that shield of faith, if you stand strong, by the time the enemy dares, even remotely dares to come close, that's game over for the enemy. Because your sword of the spirit is ready in the scripture to cut down the lies of the enemy, to cut down the falsehoods. And then you're able to run with the promise of God. And then gradually, or sometimes maybe even overnight, 
things start to change. I mean, why is the enemy trying so hard if things are going to go exactly as he planned? I mean, if I know you're going to fall, I don't have to push you. I just have to sit down and take popcorn and just watch you. But I see you standing strong and I know that I want you to fall. I'm going to keep pushing you. We have a great life ahead of us. Maybe not even far ahead, but right here in the present. And God is just asking you and I to put up the shield of faith. To put up the shield of faith. Keeping our hearts expectant to receive from him because he has so much in store. The book of Psalms tells us that the amount of goodness that God has in store for his own is beyond imagination. And we're, we're so intelligent, we are so brilliant. We put facts by facts by facts by facts. And then we even forget to pick up the Bible to now check those facts with the word. So when God is speaking to us, our hearts are already so rigid, so stony. And like Jesus Christ was saying in the book of Matthew, that yes, possibly the word even fell on fertile ground. But because there are thorns and thistles around, it says that it chokes the life out of it. It chokes the life out of it. And then it's not able to germinate. But God is speaking to us right now. That whatever it is, whatever it is, is able to turn it around for your good. Our God is a God of all possibilities. He's a God of all possibilities. Let's open our Bibles quickly. We'll just read some scripture and bring this to a close. Isaiah chapter 43. From verse 16 to 21. This is what the Lord says. He who makes a way through the sea and a path through mighty waters. He who brings out the chariots and the horse, the army and the mighty warrior. The Amplified says, they will lie down together, they will not rise again. They have been extinguished and they've been put out like a lamb's wick. Do not remember the former things, nor ponder on the things of the past. Listen carefully. I am about to do a new thing. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I wouldn't even make a road in the wilderness. Making the impossible possible by making rivers in the desert. The reason it's called a desert is because there is no water in the first place. But he says, I will make a river where there is just no possible chance of water springing forth. The beast of the field would honor me, jackals and ostriches. 
because I have given waters in the wilderness and rivers to the desert. I will give drink to my people, my chosen one, the people whom I have formed for myself, and they will make known my praise. God made you for himself, called you by his own name. And through everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, is willing to stand still with us and walk with us through the journey. Within Psalms chapter 94 and verse 14. For the Lord will not abandon his people, nor will he abandon his inheritance. In the easy English, she says, the Lord will not leave his people. He will not forget people that belong to him. He will not. And if he says that he will not, he definitely will not. As we bring this service to a close, let's rise up on our feet. I know I said that we're, we're going to just take a few comments across the congregation. And can, can we get an extra mic for that, please? I just, I strongly believe that in here, you might have something important to share. A line, two lines about what God has spoken to you. Okay, so when um, we're talking about how he had not seen Queen Esther for 30 days, plus the three days, I was telling Urefeda, if I was the queen, at first I'll say, what's your problem? When he said, what is what is it? And I said, ah, you've never seen me in test three days. I said, no, this nonsense. But it just made me realize that some of us don't have like a consistent prayer life with God. And then we oftentimes don't read our Bibles or even fellowship with God. And you feel that in Queen Esther's case, she thought the king was going to kill her. And you feel God will push you away or will answer you when you go back to him. But just like the king, just like what um, the king did, and he was willing to offer her like half of his kingdom. That's the same thing with God. Like even if you are not consistent with him and you are sorry, obviously, and then you go to meet him, he's always ready to accept you back. Do you understand? And still give you all his time, whether or not you deserve it. So something like that. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Please. Thank you. Two more people from the back, I hope. PFI, I see you. I'm putting you on the spot. Praise God, church. I'm putting... <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, so I just want to say that God is never late. He yeah. always comes on time, at the very time that you expect him to come. Yeah. When we look at the Bible verse we read, when um, Haman came to the palace, at the exact time, 
that he was going to die. Yeah. It wasn't because God knew that that couldn't have happened earlier. But God wanted it to be at the same time that Esther requested and at the same time Haman came without stress. So I just want to encourage us that you might think that God is late or he has been late in the past. But I just want to remind us that God can never be late. He will always be on time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, what I learned from this is that um, when God shows up, he shows up in a grand style. All right, he goes yeah. above and beyond yeah. to prove that he is God. He's able mm -hmm. to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. So mm -hmm. he didn't have to go the extra mile. He just have protected the Jews and Mordecai. But he went as far as to glorify Mordecai and um, embarrassing him, man, even to the yeah. point of getting him hung on his own gallows. Okay. Yeah, glory to God. So one more person. Yeah, dear Kola, at the back there. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Um, so this is just a reminder to us to stay grounded in Christ. That no matter how everything looks, no matter the chaos around, we should remember that the fa our Father in heaven knows the end from the beginning and if only we hold on to him, everything is going to work out. Hallelujah. 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 So in giving glory to God, we are going to read together Isaiah chapter 12. From verse 1 to 6. One, are we ready? Once we ready go, and in that day, you will say, I give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you comfort me. Behold, God, my salvation, I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. Yes, he has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, you will draw from water, draw water from the wells of salvation. And in that day, you would say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, and by means of his name, in solemn entreaty, declare and make known his deeds among the peoples of the earth. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord. For he has done excellent things gloriously. Let this be made known to all the earth. Cry aloud and shout joyfully, you women and inhabitants of Zion. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let there be rejoicing in the house this morning. Just give glory to God. Just give glory to God because he is mighty. Because he is wonderful. Just give praise to God. Let your worship rise from your inside. Can I have the choir, please? Let your worship rise from your inside because God is faithful and God is just. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Let my worship rise like a sweet perfume. I'll pour my love. 
because you poured your love over me first. Let my worship rise like a sweet perfume. 